This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. The hostage-taking last Shabbat in Coleyville, Texas, has put a much-needed and sadly too often repeated, albeit brief, spotlight on the rising tide of anti-Semitism in the United States. Thank God, none of the four hostages or their rescuers were physically injured in any way, although only time will tell what the emotional cost was for the hostages, and even for all of us who spent yet another anxious day in fear. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, make no mistake. As FBI statistics and audits by the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, demonstrate, it's rising from year to year. Unless more than a brief spotlight is put on the problem, they'll only continue to get worse. Just between Sunday, December 19th and Wednesday of this week, January 19th, there were 23 reported acts of anti-Semitism in the United States. I say reported acts because many such incidents go unreported. Of these 23 acts, seven of them, nearly a third of the 23, took place on December 19th alone, meaning just a few days before Christmas. Interestingly and disturbingly, seven incidents were reported in California during this period, and nine of these incidents were perpetrated by a hate group called the Goyim Defense League, or GDL. Goyim is a Hebrew word meaning nations, but in Yiddish it long ago took on a pejorative sense. The GDL obviously wants to remind non-Jews of that pejorative sense by including it in its name. For a variety of reasons, therefore, the topic for this week is the rising tide of anti-Semitism in the United States and around the world. In a few moments, I'll get back to the GDL and to anti-Semitism generally here in the United States and globally. First, I want to focus a bit on why Jew hatred was very much a factor in the Coleyville incident, and why officials in law enforcement denying any role for anti-Semitism in that incident has a lot to do with why it's on the rise. At a press briefing last Saturday night, the special agent in charge of the FBI's Dallas field office, Matt DeSarno, asserted that anti-Semitism was not a motivating factor in the hostage-taking. He said that the terrorist perpetrator, a British subject named Malik Faisal Akram, was, quote, singularly focused on one issue that was not specifically related to the Jewish community, unquote. Jewish leaders were quick to attack DeSarno's description. Among the sharpest comments came from Kenneth Marcus, founder and chairman of the Washington, D.C.-based Louis D. Brandeis Center for Human Rights Under Law, said Marcus, quote, The FBI got it wrong. The attack was obviously a matter of anti-Semitism, unquote. He also said this, quote, Failure of the FBI to understand this is something of a pattern with law enforcement in the United States and, frankly, in Europe. Time after time, we see that law enforcement officials fail to understand when an anti-Semitic incident occurs, even when it's entirely obvious, unquote. 
Marcus added that DeSarno's comments were not a mere slip-up, as he put it, but were, quote, symptomatic of a widespread failure with law enforcement to understand the problems of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, unquote. Marcus was right on point. DeSarno did get it wrong. What Akram did was very much related to the Jewish community. It was very much an act of anti-Semitism. The one issue DeSarno said Akram was singularly focused on was the freeing from a federal prison of Aafia Siddiqui, a woman who is often referred to in counterterrorism circles as Lady Al-Qaeda. Siddiqui is an American-educated neuroscientist. Bizarrely, considering her virulently anti-Semitic views, she received her Ph.D. from, of all places, a decidedly secular Jewish Brandeis University. In 2008, because she was acting suspiciously, she was approached by Afghan police outside the compound of an Afghan provincial governor. A search revealed that she was carrying two pounds of a highly toxic poison, sodium cyanide, which she later admitted was intended to be used on the provincial governor and his staff. The search also found documents she was carrying that described how to make chemical weapons and dirty bombs and how to weaponize Ebola. Because of a list found in her handbag, Siddiqui presumably intended to use these items against various U.S. landmarks, among them the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, and Wall Street. Her anti-Semitic views emerged early in her interrogation by U.S. military personnel, because she demanded that no Jews be among her interrogators. During her interrogation, Siddiqui grabbed an M4 rifle from one of her U.S. interrogators and opened fire. She only managed to get off two shots before being subdued. She was wounded, but no one else was injured. She was eventually sent back to the United States, where she was tried in 2010, convicted of attempting to murder U.S. military personnel in Afghanistan, and sentenced to 86 years in prison. Her anti-Semitism surfaced once again. The Pakistani embassy had hired a defense team on her behalf, but she tried to fire them because she said they were Jewish. She also demanded that the judge, jury, and prosecutors all be DNA tested because she said, quote, I have a feeling everyone here is them, meaning Jews, subject to genetic testing. They should be excluded if you want to be fair, unquote. After her conviction, she blamed Israel for the guilty verdict and the 86-year sentence came with it. Quote, this is a verdict coming from Israel and not from America. That's where the anger belongs, unquote. Akram got the message. As Hen Mazik, a British-based senior fellow of the Tel Aviv Institute, put it in an opinion piece published on the Newsweek website on Tuesday, quote, that was the source of Akram's fury and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. At gunpoint, he demanded that the rabbi call another rabbi at the Central Synagogue in New York City to lobby for Siddiqui's release. Not a senator, a cop, a jailer, or the FBI, mind you. Akram thought a rabbi who lived thousands of miles away in New York had the power to release a convict of his choice, unquote. 
Akram probably thought that the name Central Synagogue meant that it was the headquarters of American Jews. In any case, here's the scary part. Wrote Henmazik, quote, One haunting reason why a synagogue was held hostage is that a major American institution targeted synagogue. The gunman was just aiming at the proverbial bullseye that the Council on American-Islamic Relations had set, unquote. Council, among its other positions, has called Siddiqui's arrest and conviction, quote, one of the greatest examples of injustice in U.S. history. As for the proverbial bullseye Mazik referred to, last month, the executive director of the Council on American-Islamic Relations San Francisco office, a civil rights attorney named Zara Bilu, had this to say at the annual meeting of the Conference of American Muslims for Palestine. Quote, we need to pay attention to the Anti-Defamation League. We need to pay attention to the Jewish Federation. We need to pay attention to the Zionist synagogues. We need to pay attention to the Hillel chapters on our campuses. Because just because they're your friend today doesn't mean that they have your back when it comes to human rights. So oppose the vehement fascists, but oppose the polite Zionists too. They are not your friends. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. They are your enemies working to harm you, unquote. Bilu also made this bizarre statement, quote, The police officers in the United States who kill unarmed black men, women, and children are trained by the Israeli military, unquote. Jonathan Greenblatt, who heads the ADL, called Bilu's speech, quote, textbook anti-Semitic conspiracy-laden garbage, unquote. It's a lot more than just garbage, though. As Mazik rightly put it in his Newsweek opinion piece, quote, the dots are not too difficult to connect. When you say Jewish institutions are evil because of an association with Israel, you put a target on all Jews. When you put a target on synagogues, your followers will go to synagogues with guns. Putting American synagogues in the middle of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict puts them in the line of fire. American Jewish leadership called this out after Zara Bilu's noxious rant because it was afraid of these exact consequences. When Jews warn that certain rhetoric is dangerous, non-Jews who care about our safety should listen, unquote. I need to point out that the kinds of hateful comments delivered by Bilu and the Council on American-Islamic Relations do not represent the opinions in the broader Muslim community. Last Saturday, various Muslim leaders in Texas and elsewhere expressed support for the Beth Israel hostages. Some local Muslim clerics talked about their personal friendship with its rabbi, and they condemned Akram's actions. Beyond the rhetoric coming from extremist Islamists, however, there's much reason to care about our safety. In August, the FBI released its annual hate crime statistics report for 2020 which showed the highest total increase in reported hate crimes in 12 years. Reported hate crimes targeting the Jewish community alone made up nearly 60%, 6-0% of all religion-based hate crimes on that list in 2020. We tend to focus on the Jew hatred coming from the right, as I often do. But not to be ignored is the growing Jew hatred coming from groups on the left and the center. We see this even on college campuses. 
A recent survey jointly released by the campus-based Hillel International and the ADL found that one in three Jewish college students personally experienced anti-Semitic hate directed at them in the last academic year. The student surveys said they were concerned about anti-Semitism coming from all sides of the political spectrum, not just from the right. In one of the saddest findings, 15% of Jewish college students said that they felt the need to hide their Jewish identity while on campus. That one in three number I mentioned, though, may be misleading because the survey, quote, also found that most students who experienced anti-Semitic activity on campus did not report it, suggesting the frequency of incidents on campus is larger than previously thought, unquote. Concern that Jew hatred is coming from all sides of the political spectrum is seen as well in an American Jewish Committee report released in October titled The State of Anti-Semitism in America. One of the things it showed was that 71% of American Jews surveyed see the far left as also posing an anti-Semitic threat. That's up 10% from last year's finding, and it can be directly tied to the anti-Israel rhetoric of Alexandria Octavio-Cortez and others of her ilk during and after the Gaza conflict in May between Israel and Hamas. Among other key findings in the American Jewish Committee's report, 82% of American Jews say anti-Semitism has risen over the last five years. Four out of ten Americans have personally witnessed anti-Semitic incidents. One in four American Jews say they've been targets of anti-Semitism in the last 12 months. Four in ten American Jews said they've changed how they go about their lives out of fear. That brings us to the California-based Goyim Defense League, or GDL, one of the newest entries into the Jew hatred fraternity. GDL is also especially active in Colorado, Florida, and New York. The initials, GDL, and the group's logo, are meant as a mocking takeoff on the ADL's logo. There's also a line that runs from the center of the G to the center of the D, perhaps meant to mock how some Jews write the word God, G-D. According to the ADL, among other things, the GDL operates an anti-Semitic internet video site it calls Goyim TV. That's one word. It uses that site and other internet venues to spew its anti-Jewish venom while also promoting white supremacist themes. It's also responsible for distributing hateful flyers and brochures, and engaging in a variety of public stunts, including the nine incidents it was involved in between December 19th and this past Wednesday. The GDL, echoing other white supremacist garbage, declares that Jews control the media, the economy, and the government. Jews, it says, molest children, promote pornography and abortion, and support gay and transgender rights. Jews, it also says, were responsible for 9-11, And, as for the Holocaust, it never happened. Jews also are responsible for COVID-19, the Jew flu, as the GDL's California-based founder, John Minadeo II, calls it. During a December 2020 podcast, for example, he said, quote, They're coming to do major torturing genocide. It's the truth. These expletive kikes are going to try to put an expletive needle in your arm, unquote. In August 2020, Minadeo led a GDL group through two California communities, Santa Monica and Venice, 
in what was called a mask shame the sheep motorcade. GDL participants called people on the street, quote, yarmulke slaves, unquote, and told them to take off their, quote, Jewish face yarmulkes, unquote. In October in Austin, Texas, GDL members hung a banner from an overpass that read, quote, Vax the Jews, unquote. That was all in capital letters. The rise in anti-Semitism here, of course, is still not as bad as what we're seeing around the world. According to the ADL, the sharp rise in global anti-Semitism is due to three factors. Extreme right nationalism, extreme left anti-Semitism, that's often disguised as anti-Zionism, and vilest Islamist radicalism. Two years ago, in September 2019, Dr. Ahmed Shahid, the UN official charged with reporting and making recommendations on freedom of religion or belief, presented to the UN General Assembly the first ever standalone report on global anti-Semitism as a human rights concern. In that report, he said that anti-Semitism not only threatens Jews, but it's also a threat to the very foundations of democratic societies. He urged governments, private companies, and even the United Nations to do more to fight anti-Semitism. I should note that Dr. Shahid in 2009 was the recipient of the Muslim Democrat of the Year Award given annually by the Center for the Study of Islam and Democracy. Two years after presenting his report, Dr. Shahid continues to sound the anti-Semitism alarm. Recently, he said that, quote, anti-Semitism is often propagated by influential political leaders. It is the oldest form of religious hatred. It is global. It occurs across the entire political spectrum, and it is growing. Although it takes many forms, and its core is a conspiracy theory, a scapegoating, a dehumanization that is egregious and highly destructive of democracy, unquote. He also blamed, quote, parts of the UN, unquote, for fanning what he called, quote, the flames of this intolerance, unquote. He also called for reforms, starting with the UN Secretariat itself, which he said needs to take the lead in combating anti-Semitism in a variety of ways, and most important, quote, to not regard anti-Semitism as a threat to Jews alone, unquote. In September, the American Jewish Committee's Jacob Blaustein Institute for the Advancement of Human Rights released a report of its own that showed that anti-Semitic violence has only increased since 2019. The report, A Call to Action Against Anti-Semitism Confronting Rising Global Anti-Semitism in the Context of COVID, Conspiracies, and Conflict, is the third one it's produced since Dr. Shahid's 2019 report. The new report confirmed that anti-Semitic incidents remained disturbingly high in 2020, with record high numbers reported in several countries. It also found that, starting in late 2020 and running throughout last year, conspiracy theories suggesting that Jews or Israel are to blame for the COVID-19 pandemic were frequent, as was rhetoric blaming Jews for all manner of societal ills. There was also much distorting and trivializing of the Holocaust, the Shoah. The report also documented incidents in more than 30 countries in which Jewish people and sites with no direct connection to Israel were attacked in what the report called a dramatic surge of anti-Semitic violence during and after the Gaza conflict. 
As Felice Guerra, director of the Jacob Blaustein Institute, put a quote, Unless public figures reject anti-Semitism in all its forms and do more to raise awareness of its contemporary manifestations, the negative impact on Jews' ability to exercise their human rights that this report tracks will only increase, as will the danger posed by anti-Semitism to the foundations of democratic societies everywhere, unquote. We here in the United States say that, quote, it can't happen here, unquote. But it can happen here, and it is happening, just as it can happen and is happening in Europe and elsewhere. Too many of us don't see any great threat to the Jewish community here as a whole because of the nature of the anti-Semitic acts being reported. A monument overturned here, a swastika spray-painted there, a Hasidic Jew beaten in Brooklyn or elsewhere, a kippah, a yarmulke, snatched off someone's head on Manhattan's Upper West Side. We tend to forget that this was how the Shoah, the Holocaust, began in Europe once Adolf Hitler came to power. Small, seemingly trivial acts gradually grew into more serious ones, because no one was taking what was happening seriously. On Monday, hundreds of people marched in Washington in the annual Martin Luther King Day Peace Walk. Yet, even as anti-Semitism here has been rising steadily and frighteningly since mid-2015, an anti-Semitic rise encouraged by the previous administration, to be sure. No Jewish organization has called for a march on Washington against Jew hatred. These organizations issue reports, give media interviews, and host publicity-conscious conferences. But such things are not nearly enough. It's time for them to call for an event such as a march on Washington that would force this issue onto the public agenda for more than the few hours that the Coleville hostage-taking managed to do. I'm going to switch gears before I sign off. I want to urge everyone to sign up for the free COVID-19 home test kits now available from the federal government. To order the kits, go to this website, covidtests.gov. That's C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S. Dot G-O-V. COVID tests is one word in that address. I'll repeat it. C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S dot G-O-V. Also, please follow mask wearing guidelines when going outdoors and wear N95 masks only. Ordinary cloth masks and surgical masks are not very effective anymore. The N95 masks are truly the safest option. Free N95 masks will be available for pickup at major pharmacies and at community health centers throughout the country beginning next week. The free masks will be limited to three per person. Remember as well that even if you have tested positive for COVID-19 and have gone through the isolation period, you can still pass it on to someone else. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcast. Go to www.shamai.org, www.shamai.org, and email me, please. Shabbat Shalom, stay healthy, and above all, stay safe.